0: my ancestors, were they good people? Like, I don't know. Like, do I want to listen to them? Or were they like evil, evil ghosts that I like happen to psychically not have access to?
1: Hello and welcome to Your Magic. I'm your host, Michelle T, and today I'm talking with the hilarious comedian Jess Tom, who you can all enjoy on your Hulu right now as part of the adorable queer teen rom-com crush. We're going to talk about their advice show, Dear Jess, about having a Capricorn stellium, about the woo horror of coming from a spiritually dead lineage, and more. After that, Vanessa Lee and Bowen Go share a Wong Kar Wai-inspired Sagittarius adult beverage from their new astrology-themed cocktail book,
0: So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
1: Okay, so I mentioned this in my conversation with Jess, but once while having a session with a witch I deeply admire, I asked her about ancestors I might have hanging around me. And she tucked herself into herself in that witchy way that a witch will, you know, communing with unseen forces and energies. And she was like, nope. You actually do not have any ancestors around you. This tracked somewhat with what a totally different psychic witch had told me years before, that I did have an ancestor lingering around, but she was very unhappy with my lifestyle choices. This was a gay psychic witch, okay, so she wasn't projecting. One plus one clearly equals two here. Once upon a time, an ancestor had shown up to give me some guidance, had a gander at my wildlife, realized I was beyond spectral help, and went into the light well, fine. Maybe I didn't want help from that particular ancestor anyway. I mean, as lovely as it is to imagine that crossing over makes us privy to the secret of life and that once we move into the spirit realm, we are totally our best and wisest selves looking to steer our beloved earthlings in a chill direction. We actually have no idea if that is so. Sometimes I think lingering spirits are simply too attached to their human lives and afraid to move on, so they hang about here trying to be useful, hoping we'll notice them sort of thirsty and pathetic, really, when you think about it. Move on, Grandma, I've got this. When I think about my ancestors, I think about a long line of alcoholics, Polish and Irish, who immigrated to the poverty of this country to escape the more severe poverty of their own. Maybe some of them were magical people, but the ones I knew were a bit burdened by their hardships and trauma it hadn't brought out the best in them. Like loads of put-upon white people, it brought out a xenophobia, a racism, a weird tendency to identify with rich people and look down on people worse off than them, uh, people they had way more in common with, right? Supposedly, one ancestor came over on the Mayflower, which honestly I think is wishful thinking, but if so, I don't know that I want anything to do with that colonialist. And, like everyone from New England, we have a legendary Native American in our history. But as I would rather not talk to any ancestral pilgrims, surely this unlikely ancestor isn't too keen on providing guidance to the settler side of their lineage. It all makes me think about a post I once saw by an African-American witch asking white people to maybe back off contacting our ancestors, all things considered. So what's a witch without a lineage to do? I fall back frequently on the truth that love makes a family. I may not have much in common with the people who came before me genetically, but I have so much love, gratitude, and commonality for all the queers, witches, sex workers, feminists, writers, and general freaky people that walked this planet when it was really, really, really hard to do so, making it so much easier for people like me and also giving me mad inspiration that such outcasts have always found a way to live their wild, weird lives among their people. The Dyke French author Violette Ledoux Valley Myers, the tattooed witch of the Chelsea Hotel Writer, mother and risk taker Cookie Mueller Los Angeles poet Wanda Coleman Slutty art lover Peggy Guggenheim Who else? Whoever I feel seen by Whoever makes me feel like an echo of them A little wave in a particular ocean of consciousness So many of us are alienated from our families of origin It is seductive to think a ghostly lineage Who really gets us is watching over us just out of view Maybe they are, but what really thrills me is imagining tarot creators like Pamela Coleman Smith or Lady Frida Harris watching me endlessly study the tarot, thinking there's one right there, one of my millions of spiritual granddaughters. Here's Jess Tom. Jess Tom, welcome to your magic. It's so exciting to have you here.
0: Thank you, Michelle. I'm very excited to be here.
1: I really like your work so much, and I love that you have an advice show and i want to talk to you all about it what made you want to offer your wisdom to the masses in this in this particular way
0: okay i don't know what this is about me but i've always wanted to give advice to people and i've always been this way like i was 13 and like kids were asking me my friends would ask me about like dating advice and i had like never dated anybody before but i was always like telling people like oh this is what you should do this is what you should say i used to read a lot of dear abby as a kid and i always thought like my dream job was to do a dear abby style column so then when the netflix most people asked if i had any ideas for a video series i was like what if i told everybody what if everybody told me their gossip and then i told them what to do
1: it's so perfect and it's so great that it's like in your like bedroom And I mean, I guess like everything's in everyone's bedroom (laughs) for the past few years. But for some reason, yours feels extra special. Like it would be in your bedroom, even if there wasn't a pandemic.
0: Thank you. It was born fully in the deep pandemic. We started doing that January 2021. And the way it worked was like a crew of guys, just two guys would come in, set up the cameras in the room and then leave the room. And I would be in there by myself with people on Zoom who were directing me. And I would just... Like be talking as though I was talking to other people.
1: It's so good and it's so funny. And um, and your you know your advice is spot on. I think I I'm in I'm in full agreement with you.
0: Thank you. You're
1: welcome. <laughs> What's your sign? This might be the answer to you know this desire to impart your wisdom.
0: I am a Sagittarius Sun, Aries Rising, Capricorn Moon, and a Capricorn Stellium with seven placements in Capricorn. Oh my God! I'm so sorry. I like it.
1: You did. <laughs> course, I like it.
0: It <laughs> works for me. <laughs> But I want to know why you're sorry.
1: Well, I just think that stellium, a a Capricorn stellium could go either way. I mean, Mm. obviously, it sets you up for a lot of worldly success, but also, like, do you just feel the passage of time, like, just grating on your skin every day or what? It's just like, it seems like it could be quite heavy, but maybe, you know, you're the levity, the famous and infamous levity of a Sagittarius can handle it.
0: I like to think of myself as a Capricorn with a Sagittarius face. So I'm like, I'm like so like cute and fun and funny, but inside I have this like deep evil ambition and I'm going to like, do anything i can to like get the things i want
1: you will because that aries rising will just take you rooming. okay so this is so interesting also so because you have an aries rising you have you probably know this but you have what's called a natural chart which means Mm. that all of your planets are in their the houses that rule them so all of your all of your capricorn like all of your all of your Saturns are in the house of Saturn, right? All mm-hmm. of your all that's how that kind of stuff works.
0: I mean, this is this feels very early in the episode to get to what I eventually am going to ask, but I saw a co-star meme for Sagittarius that was like hierarchy of needs. The top tier was like total romantic freedom, and then the next tier was total romantic devotion. Oh God! And I was like, oh shit! Like something in that really changed me when i saw that i was like oh this is this is what it is
1: oh and i can only imagine that having the capricorn moon would really extra kind of bolt down that need for devotion mhm because the devotion is very like stabilizing right like if you're if if you have devotion you sort of know where you stand mm-hmm. you can kind of relax into the feeling of being devoted and like capricorn moon just like wants to know exactly what's going on like yes they want they want it in a contract my venus i have a sagittarius stellium so i'm very saggy mm-hmm. and i should say the moon is in sagittarius right now as we speak so this is just all very good for us amazing Yeah, but my Venus is in Capricorn. So I relate to that because I'm also, I also feel like I just want to be a huge slut and like, don't give me any, don't give me any problems about it. Okay. And I'm like, but also marry me and sign these contracts that you'll never leave me. Totally.
0: I, I don't know exactly what my Venus is in. I had thought it was Capricorn, but then I got my chart read by someone who told me it was Sagittarius. Oh. And so now I'm not, now I'm not sure what that means.
1: There's so much information out there. There's so much information in
0: the astrology realm to keep straight. Uh, the stars are so vast.
1: <laughs> um, So, you know, obviously this is a woo show. And I, BT dubs, love how you sort of like, you know, hon- honk the nose of the woo on your on your shows and sort of make fun of it in such an insidery way that I know you kind of are into it at the same time. And I do want to ask you, like, were you raised with any sort of spiritual practice that you had to rebel against or that actually informs your
0: days today? So not really. I was... Um... I was famously a Girl Scout for 13 years from ages five to 18, which was the closest thing I had to a religious association. Like we would do um, a Girl Scout troop and a Boy Scout troop is usually sponsored by a church. So we would do this thing called Scout Sunday, where once a year, twice a year, we would like go to the church and like sit there for a service. It was a Japanese church, so they would do it in English and then do it again in Japanese, so it was twice as long, and there was half of it that I literally didn't understand. But I kind of... this is kind of a heavy thing to say, but I think a lot about how I wonder if I come from a spiritually dead lineage in my family.
1: Is it that heavy? I mean, I, I don't. I feel like there's a lot of spiritual deadness around us. Either pe- people pretending to be spiritual, and, and there's a lot of deadness, or just like a, a like a vacuum
0: of spirituality. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, what does that mean to you that you think it was spiritually dead? Like in what in what way? Like how did that manifest?
0: I feel like a lot of a lot of people of color, and especially queer people of color have this kind of rhetoric of like, you know, I'm with my ancestors or my ancestors are speaking to me. My ancestors are watching me. Like I'm doing, like I carry my ancestors with me in everything I do. And I'm sort of like, I don't feel that way. And also my ancestors, were they good people? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, are their ambitions really aligned with like what I want to do in the world? Do I want to listen to them? Or were they like, evil evil ghosts that i like happen to psychically not have access to
1: oh my god i mean there's this hope right that if people pass over suddenly they're like given access to like some sort of cosmic truth you know Mm -mm. but like maybe not maybe they're just like the same cranky fucking like short-sighted petty resentful ghosts
0: i yeah i don't know like There's a lot of people, queer people, queer people of color uh, aligning ourselves with the struggles that our ancestors have gone through with the oppressions that they've faced. And like, for me, I'm a little like, I'm half Japanese and half Chinese. I think that my Chinese side of the family were like grifters (laughs) a few generations back. The Japanese side of my family super complicated politically in America on both sides. And then in Japan, I'm like, I don't know what they were doing. So I'm sort of like, were they? Were they oppressed or were they? I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a particular story. Man, I had a witch once tell me that um I had no ancestors around me. They just weren't interested
0: in me. Mm, that's <laughs> so, intense. And how did that make you feel? I was
1: bummed. Like I like the idea that there's some like friendly ghosts, like a little Casper on my shoulder or something, you know, but also it kind of resonated because you know, I, I also never necessarily felt, you know, a a particular presence around me, but, and I also, you know, especially as a white person, I'm just like, I know what these people were like when they were alive. Like, Mm I, I don't know, maybe they got like some sort of like, they get to go to like woke college on the other side and like emerge with like angel wings and being like, we're very sorry for our ideas. You know, I don't know. So yeah, same. It's like, I don't know. Are, Are they, are they my people? I mean, am I advancing some sort of, you know, I don't know. They're, they're, Psychic spiritual cause here today I don't I just don't know But I do feel very connected to Certain um, queer Ancestors Mm. Feminist ancestors like weird Fucked up lady ancestors hooker ancestors You know like when you just are Poking around you know learning about history And you find out about these people who lived these wild lives and you're like how did you Survive being who you were In that time period like those people give Me a lot of life and um, I would like to petition them to be my Adopted ancestors, you know.
0: Honestly, this is making me feel a lot better and a lot less uh, spiritually alone in the universe.
1: Well, listen, I got this deck of tarot cards here, and we're gonna we're gonna turn the tables, Jess. Now you're gonna ask someone else for advice, but it's not me; it's spirit. So yeah, I'd love to read your tarot cards if
0: you're up for it. I love, I love tarot. I, I, I'm I totally up for that. Cool. I just was going to say tarot is always sort of intense for me, like coming from this perspective of being like, oh, I'm not really sure, not whether or not I believe in these things, but whether or not they can affect me or I can interface with them because I feel like tarot comes through really clearly in a way that frightens me. And I, I just, I think that, yeah, tarot is really interesting.
1: It is frightening. Well, you know, here's the thing. It's just, it's just energy. It really is like fueled by the people working with it. You know, there's, there's no, this is made in a game factory or something. Mm -hmm, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah.
0: That's what I literally thinking. I'm like, this was made in a factory. It's just pieces of paper and I am deriving great meaning or like, it seems to be really telling me something as though it's its own thing. I know. It's
1: so fascinating. Um, well, what would you like the tarot to uh enlighten you around? And what is there something special you'd like some insight on?
0: So classically, queerly, uh, you're speaking to me on the heels of a breakup right now. Oh, I'm sorry, man. That's the worst. That's yeah, it is. Breakups suck, no matter what. Um and so I've been thinking about um, this was a non-monogamous relationship. Um And I've dated, I've been in a few, a lot of non-monogamous relationships and a lot of monogamous relationships. And they all are kind of hard for me. Going back to the meme, the hierarchy of needs, full romantic devotion, full romantic freedom. I really identify with that. Um, But I love love. And I love to be in love. And I'm like highly, deeply, deeply romantic. And so I'm in this weird sort of impasse right now. Where I'm also like a lot of other stuff is happening like my career is changing I might have to like move to LA across the country at any second I'm like transitioning my body my sexuality is changing the people that I'm interested in are changing I just got out of this non-monogamous relationship which didn't work for me at the time because frankly like because of a lot of the way the non-monogamous dynamic was set up but I also like I know I can't in a monogamous relationship and that that is like not gonna work for me so i mean this feels like the most sort of you know basic bitch tarot thing to ask but yeah i've been wanting to ask a question on how i can be happy in love
1: okay um it's not a basic bitch thing we all need love so much and also your story is so like what world are we living in when we're like you like monogamy non-monogamy like story is like it's so basic <laughs> it's like we've really that's true no that's we've true. really come a long way this is an exciting time to be alive um okay so i'm going to first ask the tarot for just like some illumination of like what your love sphere looks like right now the little sec love sector in you what does it look like? You know, what does Tara want you to be thinking about in the love, in the world of love? And then I'm going to ask for the second question is like, what are some things that are um, helpful for you, mm-hmm. you know, um, going forward into love because you love love. I love that you love love. You're I not do gonna, love love. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, that's your birthright as a Sagittarius to love love, you know, and to want more love than the average person, um, you know. So what is, what are some tools um, that the tarot can point you towards as you, you know, walk your your challenging, but like hopefully very fulfilling path? Let's see. All right. So what does the love sphere look like right now? The emperor, there's your Aries rising and also the hermit. Oh my God. The hermit to me is the fucking breakup card. Whenever I'm in a breakup, I get the hermit and I'm like, Oh, no, I don't like this. You know, I don't I don't want to be alone. (laughs) So, you know,
0: what's crazy, Michelle, is that what happened was we broke up and then the next day I tested positive for COVID and I isolated for 10 days. Oh,
1: my God. That's awful. But listen, this is actually, believe it or not, very good. Um you know, first of all, the emperor, it's like, you know what you want. And and you actually know how it's challenging as well. And that's everything. You know, it's like, just the like, you, I can hear like the struggle in your voice as you're talking about like, oh, this feels confusing. There's so much going on. But it seems like so much is going on because you actually know who you are and what you want. And it's oh. shaken some shit up. But that's everything. I mean, that's so much better than just being kind of lost and at the whim of other people's needs. You know, I know
0: it's hard to be so self-aware. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean it might feel hard right now, but I think it's ultimately it gets better. Um how dare I? But no, it will. It will it will get better.
0: They do say that. They have said that.
1: <laughs> the next so then the next card is yeah the hermit. Okay. This is um this is really interesting though because when the hermit comes up like it or not it's actually really valuable and important for you to be unpartnered a little isolated having more alone time than normal than what is preferable um and what's really cool i you know i've spent a lot of time thinking about this card and about virgo because it's very alien to me and so i really want to understand it and what i've really gotten about the virgo essence of this hermit card is that like it's really about like the purity of your own essence. So we're all constantly bombarded by uh, by influence. You know, the influence of our friends, of media, of the world, of our, you know, the voices in our head from our childhood. I mean, we're constantly influenced by things other than ourselves. So when this card comes up, it's really asking you to take a step back and really try to touch the heart of who you are in your pure essence without other people's expectations or other people's influences so that you can operate from this really strong place. To me, this, this looks like you're actually doing it because the emperor card is really like a, a, a pure manifestation of that. And then your final card is the magician. So, whoa, I, uh, I, you're going to yeah. be like in love again in like five minutes. So like, don't worry too much about like your isolation. Um, the magician is making shit happen and manifesting. So you want another, you know, hot, non-monogamous crush so you, you can kind of like try it out again and see if you can, you know, make thing, make different choices, make different arrangements, see if it suits you better. You will get this opportunity to kind of continue tweaking and perfecting um, relationship dynamics to get closer to like what your ideal is.
0: Yeah. Ugh.
1: Oh my God, I gave you good news and you're just like going to pass out. They're like... They're, they're holding their hand to their, their forehead like a Victorian.
0: I know I'm over here like suffering, but I'm no, I I love that. I love that. It's like three guys alone doing a different thing, that that's like what the image is kind of of that that spread.
1: It, it's true. It's true. But they are alone, but they also have a lot of like, you know, animal familiars and stuff. You know, this um, the emperor here has these rams on either side and then a little lamb. And, um, you know, the hermit is accompanied by uh, Cerebus, the three-headed hound of hell. So that's cool. Okay, so
0: get a dog.
1: <laughs> Preferably three-headed. And then um, the magician, there's this, like, Egyptian monkey god, Toth, that's sort of an ape that's kind of leaping up underneath him, giving him a bunch of energy and life. So maybe those are your uh, your queer non-monogamous ancestors <laughs> hovering around you and uh, trying to influence. My slutty
0: animal ancestors. <laughs>
1: yeah, yes. Oh, my God. I love that. Um, so this is just, I mean, also, I do want to say um, and, make, and make a really big deal about the fact that you got three major arcana cards. So the majors are really powerful. And to get a reading that's entirely major arcana means that this is a very significant moment for you. Um, everything that's happening is very powerful and important. And like, you know, probably to some degree faded, if I may use such a word.
0: Thank you. That is cool. That is a cool reading.
1: So now uh, for the three cards that are sort of like, what can you lean on? What can you lean on to know about, you know, a- as you make your way into like non-monogamous dating, knowing the ways that it's, you know, stressful and knowing the ways that it's delightful. So the first one here, okay, it's, The Nine of Swords, Cruelty. It's a warning card. Obviously, there's blood dripping from these jagged-ass swords, so obviously it's a warning. Um, So the Cruelty card, I have started really thinking about it as a sort of anxiety card and things that um, give us anxiety uh, in the Rider weight deck, it's the card where somebody's sitting up in bed, like having a freak yes. out, right? Yes. So yes. it's sort of about like the way our thoughts will t- torment us and being cruel to ourselves. Sometimes it can mean other people being cruel. So it's saying like, if there's, you know, stay, go where the love is, first of all, like don't. Don't hang out with people who are just like yucking your your way of life, your (laughs) your choices. You you know who you are. Like, stay away from people who make you feel bad. First and foremost, especially in the dating realm. But also make sure that you're not talking to yourself in a way that you wouldn't allow another person to talk to yourself. Um, That's going to be really important in helping you keep your mind clear, so you can just kind of go towards the things that you want. Is like figuring out how to how you might get a handle on any sort of like anxious thinking that you might be, um, that you might end up or that you just might have, you know, your second one though is more, uh, of a happier one. And it's the gain card. It's another Virgo card. It's nine of discs. It's called, it's called gain. And it's about like good shit coming towards you. Are you able to accept like a ton of goodness? Um, I would say like, you know, looking at your, uh, chart as you've As you explained it, it would seem that like the Sag side is like, yeah, more goodness. I'm all about more goodness. Like I'm fighting for the more goodness, and you are. But then it would I could also imagine the Capricorn being like very mistrustful of the Mm. of the of the goodness. And so, you know, definitely whatever you can do to kind of make yourself more and more and more receptive of like the absolute best. Like, what if your biggest dreams came true? Not Ugh. just, not just romantically, but, you know, in your career, like in your body, in your world, in every, in every way, what if you really got everything that you wanted? Could you handle it? Most people would, you know, I, I, we most of us have to work towards that level of um, receptivity to the universe, but that's what spirit's telling you <laughs> is that, you know, try to, try to push your boundaries towards accepting goodness, Right. But this is what, as far as like what is, you know, helpful advice as you move forward romantically, prudence. Eight of discs.
0: No, (laughs) no, God damn it. I'm relating to you so hard right now. No, the word prudence is written on there. No,
1: I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry to deliver this message to you, a Sagittarius.
0: Okay, go on, go on. <laughs> tell me more. Okay.
1: so here's the um, here's the here's the gist of this card if you look at it. It's a tree with all these very beautiful you know, flowers growing on the tree. and then these leaves are curled around the flower. and this is the, you know, the visual metaphor for prudence. It's like these le- these flowers are so beautiful and precious, the leaves are taking care to protect them. So if you think about the prudence not as a sort of like, oh, I should be proper or like I shouldn't be too much. I should be restrained for the sake of restraint or for decorum, like that's all bullshit. And like that doesn't resonate. And it's like you are like a wild person and you want your wildness to kind of like, you know, roar and run free and uh, and all of that. Um, the prudence is just more about like self-protection, you know, and also if you, you know, in the Thinking about it in terms of a relationship, like if you, sometimes you have a connection that could be, have some longevity, but you, but if there's a particular dynamic at the, at the outset where you're like driving it into the ground, you can just sort of burn it, burn through it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's also sort of like if you meet someone who seems very special to you and the dynamic and the connection feels very beautiful, you might want to just protect it a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Instead of just like, okay, let's, you know, till the wheels fall off, let's do it. You know, as much as that is so much fun to do. But um, it seems like if you're wanting to try something a little bit different, going slowly and and getting a sense of like who a person really is, I think especially in non-monogamous relationships, like, and I know this is fucking true about myself too, when I was in a non-monogamous relationship, everyone likes to talk a big game about how like, you know, their, their shit is so great. They're like, it's all working out so well. Um, but like, there's a, there's, I feel like there's a lot of cracks sometimes, you know? Um, and so sometimes you just want to take a moment to really make sure are things the way that this person, this person's presenting everything in a particular way. Is it really like this? Mm -hmm. How does it feel? You know, and you can make your own decision. So the prudence doesn't mean it's not like a moratorium on fun, (laughs) Sagittarius. (laughs) It's more about like, you know, like self-protection, I think a little bit
0: no i hear that and i take that to mean like i'm in a real slutty like bisexual awakening phase right now i was a hardcore misinterest dyke for literally like 15 years and now um now i'm starting to like be on grinder and like see what's happening over here and i'm taking the prudence card to be like exercise some discretion (laughs) exactly a little bit of discretion as to like who you think is okay to like have contact with you
1: (laughs) totally it's again you know it has a relationship to some extent with the hermit card because the hermit is virgo and this is sun and virgo so it's again about like what's your what is what's the root of who you are and what you're looking for and are these things in line you know with your you know and, and i don't know like sometimes our like deepest truth is just like, I actually just want to sleep with like every segment of society and see what the fuck is going on. You know? And it's like, great, go at it. You know, if that's, but it's like really figuring out, is that, is that, is that what it is? And if it's not Mm -hmm. like what else, you know, what, what kind of restraint he has to be kind of kicked in a little bit just to keep you, you know, uh, from having mission drift about your life.
0: <laughs> I actually recently pulled a spread on this this slutty moment question, and I, I literally pulled uh the sun and death in reverse. And I was like, OK, like, stop everybody. Wow. Just chill out and try to learn a lesson. Like, what did you learn <laughs> from your breakup? What are you learning? And it's right. not just drown your sorrows in whomever whomever deck is there.
1: Right. Right. It's so tempting though. Um, Wow. This was so great to meet you and, and just like kiki with you and, and pull cards for you. Um, Are you going to be uh, like touring or anything?
0: I have a, great desire to are you asking me to plug something or what yeah, are you plug asking? something i'm actually i'm trying to come through la soon because a uh, high school lesbian movie that i have a small part in is premiering oh my god that's so cool
1: is it the one on hulu
0: it is it's called crush it's called crush it comes out on april 29th i play a high schooler which is pretty cool for somebody who graduated high school in the single digit 2000s
1: It's <laughs> amazing queers
0: we're all just little elves forever no we're from the future and from the past you don't know
2: how old we are my name is vanessa lee and i'm a co-owner of mood ring which is a bar in bushwick
3: brooklyn my name is Bowen and go and i'm a co-owner of mood ring which is a bar in bushwick brooklyn
2: our book margarita and retrograde cocktails for every sign was just released
3: Today we're going to be talking about the ideal date for a Sag. The ideal date for a Sagittarius is an exercise in Google calendaring.
2: Which doesn't sound so hot, but it is. At 1pm is your coffee date. Something casual to get to know a person without anything getting misconstrued.
3: It's 4pm and you meet your second date at the park where they've prepared a nice little picnic spread. Just in time to soak up the coffee from date one. This one seems a bit overeager, but they put in the effort and definitely have potential.
2: Moving on to your 7 p.m. date, a nice dinner and cocktail moment. This is actually the one you're most excited for, and you definitely planned for the sun to be setting on your face as the entrees come out. You chat and have a lovely time. The date went great, and you plan a second one on the spot. Date one, to explore the personality.
3: Date two, to explore the underwear. In a way, this is like a reverse sports draft, where the top prospects are saved for the last of the night. So then you have your final date at 11 p.m. Drinks and you take them home. Serious relationship potential? Probably not, but they're hot and sometimes that's enough. So really your perfect date is just an exercise in ordering everything on the menu.
2: Now we'd love to share one of our Sagittarius cocktails, The Fallen Angels.
3: Fallen Angels is a film by Wong Kar Wai. It's kind of a, a hitman romance. One of our favorite scenes is actually the last moment in the film. They're kind of riding on a motorcycle in a tunnel and he's smoking a cigarette, and the camera kind of glides to the sky, and it's kind of one of those very freeing moments, and we felt that that was a great fit for the Sagittarius cocktail.
2: So for Sagittarius, we always use ingredients that seem a little bit palate-opening, and, you know, for us, it kind of represents terrace is always on this like open horizon, exploring kind of openly. And so for this cocktail, we actually worked with our longtime bartender, Randall Morris. And the ingredients that he picked together is hibiscus infused Tito's vodka. You know, it tastes a little bit floral and a little bit sweet. Um, and it has this really beautiful kind of deep magenta purple color. Reminds us of a sunset in a way. So it really does tie in with kind of the overall aesthetics and imagery from the Fallen Angels film. And we also have tamarind nectar. That is gonna be very tart and sour, and then kind of balanced out with black peppercorn syrup to give it a little bit of a kick because you know Sagittarius's are so lively. And then lastly, um, we use lemon juice and a dried orange garnish. Um, So overall, just to describe the cocktail and how it looks, it's very bright pink magenta, and along with the dried orange garnish, it really does look like the sky during sunset. So the ingredients for the Fallen Angels, um, one and a half ounces of hibiscus-infused Tito's vodka,
3: one and a half ounces of tamarind nectar,
2: half an ounce of black peppercorn syrup,
3: half ounce of lemon juice,
2: and then a dried orange for garnish. For directions, first,
3: pour the hibiscus-infused Tito's, tamarind, black peppercorn, and lemon juice into a cocktail shaker.
2: Next, add ice and shake vigorously.
3: Strain into rocks glass filled with ice. Garnish with dried orange. We, we hope, hope you enjoy, enjoy the, the cocktail. cocktail.
1: Um, yes, please. That sounds absolutely amazing. And I very much want to be the kind of person who, you know, has black peppercorn syrup in their kitchen. Absolutely. Also, as a sober person, I'm very psyched that there is a non-alcoholic version of this in the book. Thank you, Vanessa and Bowen. Check out Margarita and Retrograde and swing by their bar mood ring next time you're in Brooklyn. That's it for our show. I hope we've inspired you to think differently about ancestors, to embrace your gnarly astrological stelliums and to fix yourself a refreshing beverage. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. You can support us plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. Every dollar makes our work possible. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thisisyourmagic and subscribe to our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. You can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Kirsten Osai Bonzu. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening.